don't you sit down and join me now during my breakfast time for a short Bible study? I thought it would be helpful for me to share some of the things that I learned as I study my Bible each morning. This will not be like the usual videos with, that I make with elaborate graphics and editing. Instead, I'll just share some thoughts as I enjoy my meal. Recently, I was asked some questions about the Holy Spirit that I had never really thought about. As I thought about it, I realized that I had studied some about the Spirit in my classes at seminary. In fact, I will share some of that material in our times together. But I realized that there was a certain lack of application in that teaching. Now, that was back in the 80s. A time false teaching about the Spirit was abundant, and most Bible teachers were reluctant to teach about the Spirit. Fortunately, my seminary taught from a biblical basis only, and taught it correctly. But I realized two things as I thought about it. One, owing to the charismatic emphasis, schools and churches avoided giving the Spirit much attention in their teaching. And secondly, I realized that while a great deal of scriptural teaching was given to me, most of it was academic and did not directly affect me in a personal way with respect to the Holy Spirit. I thought we could take a few breakfast times as I share some of what was missing in my education. The first thing I did was to look up all the verses in the Bible that specifically mentioned the Spirit as Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, or Spirit of God. I found there were approximately 200 verses using these names. I next printed them out, analyzed each one to determine the prime teaching about the Spirit in that verse. I next collated them by the actions of the Spirit, the characteristics of the Spirit, and the details of the Spirit. As we study together, I'll be sharing some of the conclusions I reached from this biblical study, particularly with respect to understanding how the Spirit works within me. As you can guess, my source of material will be the Bible. I will also include some of the biblical conclusions gathered by Dr. Alva McLean, Dr. John Whitcomb, and Pastor Ivan French, all of whom were my teachers at seminary. This study, like those that follow, will only be as long as it takes me to eat my bowl of cereal, drink my hot chocolate, and donuts. So these aren't going to be lengthy teaching times and will be, in fact, casual studies. Unlike my usual videos, I'm not going to spend a lot of time editing and correcting verbal mistakes made by me. I will add some graphics to help explain my thoughts, but the goal for me is to share what I have learned with you. Again, I will stumble with my words, rephrase things, so please be patient. Remember, this is breakfast time, not a formal evening meal. In this, our first time together, I'll offer you a brief introduction, giving you some reasons for a careful study of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. First of all, we need to remember that the Holy Spirit is one of the persons of the triune God. If we would know God, then we must know the Holy Spirit, just as we must know the Lord Jesus Christ. All three equal in power being three and yet one. 
We can't fully understand the Trinity, but academically we can accept the idea of three persons in one. Typically, our emphasis both personally and in our churches is upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He being both man and God is easier to picture and relate to him than to God the Father, who's invisible, and God the Holy Spirit, a bodiless spirit. Also, it is Christ who died for me, and I hope you, upon the cross and rose from the dead to offer us the free gift of salvation, which is very important to me. The Father seems more remote to us than the Son, though he also is everywhere present and near. We often forget that the Holy Spirit is very close, and in fact, if you know the Lord is your Savior, the Holy Spirit is indwelling you. Yet we wrongly tend to think of him as being sort of off in a corner of our life. I think this is partly due to the fact that we don't quite know where he fits in or all that he is doing. This is why we're going to study him now. As mentioned, the Holy Spirit is one of the persons of the Trinity. If we truly want to know God the Father, God the Son, then we should equally want to know God the Spirit. As we sit here together, I'm going to use my online Bible to call up verses and to do searches. Uh, perhaps it's a way for you to see where I arrive at these things. So now we're going to look at Matthew 28, verse 19, where we read, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is the sanctifier, the one who sets us apart as a believer and develops our Christ-like character. For example, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit is the source of the believer's power for service. I think this idea is often ignored because of the reaction to the charismatic movement. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 expressed this power. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. While the Lord said this to his disciples first, it also applies to us as part of the church carrying on his work, for the Spirit indwells us also. Further now, that power enables us to serve God, Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. It enables us to handle difficult times in our lives, Acts 13, 50 to 52. It enables us to find solutions to problems in the church, Acts 15, 28. Now, I'm almost done with my breakfast, so for time's sake, I urge you to look up these verses and consider them after breakfast. We'll look at these enablements in greater depth at another breakfast time. Now again, back to the Godhead. Remember, all in the Trinity are equal and worthy of worship and study. But, fourthly, the Holy Spirit has been the most neglected to be studied by most believers. Again, it's a reaction, certainly in response to the abuses taught in the 70s. I believe, now if you weren't there in the 70s, you'll have to study that <laughs> as history. I believe this lack of solid biblical study of the Holy Spirit has caused much confusion in churches and among individuals. 
So often we are simply told after receiving Christ that he will solve all your problems. He'll be your friend, your buddy. We don't need to hear anything about the Holy Spirit's works of sanctification and equipping. I believe this is because of the lack of the doctrinal churches in teaching. I'll say that again. I believe this is because of the lack of doctrinal teaching in the churches today. The improper emphasis upon the Spirit with respect to the charismatic gifts has led to much of this confusion and error and avoidance. Fifthly, many errors in practice can be traced directly to errors in doctrine concerning the Holy Spirit and His work. The word doctrine sends shivers on many people's backs. Yet all the word means is biblical teaching. You see, there is a great lack of correct scriptural teaching in many churches today. Those avoiding doctrinal teaching or study are dishonoring the Lord and certainly distracting from his glory. For Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, very familiar verses, all scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, notice the first thing stated, doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, with the purpose that, in order that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, or equipped unto all good works. That is why in future breakfasts together, we're going to study the doctrines, teachings, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. So please join me at our next breakfast. May the Lord bless you mightily. I'll either see you here at breakfast table or in the air.